Whether you're hunting the back 40 or chasing game deep in the backcountry, the all-new Razor Guide Pack from Outdoor Edge has it all. Coming in at only 12 ounces and in a premium wax canvas roll pack for compact storage and travel, the Razor Guide Pack is seven blades in total, including a 5-inch replaceable blade folding knife, a 3-inch replaceable blade caping knife, and the flip and zip saw for wood or bone. For more information, visit OutdoorEdge.com. Welcome to Maximize Your Hunt, the podcast dedicated to those who want the most out of their hunting property. This podcast explores land management, habitat improvement, and hunting strategies that will help you maximize your time in the field. Follow along as industry professionals that live and breathe white-tailed deer share their secrets to success. And now, the founder of Whitetail Landscapes, your host, John Teeter. Hi, I'm John Teeter, Whitetail Landscapes. This is Maximize Your Hunt. Welcome back. Hopefully everybody's doing well. We're in the midst of hunting season. It's gun season for a lot of people, and hopefully success is, is on the horizon for everybody, or you've already had a successful season. I'm doing well. Uh, this is going to be a busy week for me. Uh, a lot of client. Uh, consulting discussions and opportunities that I'm working through for 2024. Most of my clients are in 2024 now. So if you are contacting me, just have awareness of that. Eventually there's going to be a wait list and I hopefully everyone can deal with, with that because, you know, I, I can only take on so many clients on an annual basis, but we're going to get back with a buddy of mine. Anthony Barnum has been on this podcast before you know, he's uh, a gear guru in my mind, but we're going to talk about his hunting season and then we're going to hit on some of the highlights and things that he focused on. Anthony's a very analytical person. He's an engineer by trade. Anthony also has some status updates. Now, if you remember, he talked about his property and was going through the logging process. And I think it's important to hit on, you know, his strategy, like around that particular property and what he expected out of it and then how that shifted throughout the season. So, you know, you can log a property right up to hunting season or even during hunting season and find success. And so we'll, we'll hear a little bit more about that and his perspective on things. Anthony, are you on online? Yeah, John, I'm here. Can right. you hear me? Okay. Great, man. Welcome back. How you doing? What's going on in your world? Oh, I'm doing pretty well. Um, you know, had, uh, had a pretty good, uh, deer season so far. Um, you know, bow season ended up being a, a little bit slow for, for me and, and my two boys that are hunting with me. Um, but we've, uh, really done pretty well so far during, during uh, gun season. So yeah, it's, uh, it's been, um, you know, been a, a fun ride, especially watching the boys uh, come into their own and, uh, you know, be able to take a couple of deer. So let's talk a little bit about your circumstance. You hunt locally. So you and I live around each other. You've got a spot up here that you hunt. You also hunt uh, down in Western New York. You've got your family farm. And of course, you've got the property that you've purchased. You inherited some land and you have land that you've purchased yourself. Where did you spend the majority of your time? Yeah, so we've uh, we've probably you know during during archery season we uh, ping pong back and forth between the property that we have access to up here in the central New York area, and um, the farm, um, the family farm that uh, I inherited, um, you know, in Steuben County. Uh, we didn't uh, hunt much on the thirty or so acres that I own, um, you know, close to that family farm, because it was you know undergoing a, a logging operation that uh, you know started back in 
you know, March of this year. Um, so, you know, that, that logging operation has been ongoing for quite some time. We're, we're finally at the point where, you know, the, the trees of value that I had marked uh, to be cut are out and, and have been sold. And you know, we're, in, uh, we're in discussions with a logger about, um, you know, going back in, um, you know, after season is over here in the January timeframe, uh, to go grab some uh, some of the tops for uh, firewood and, and to move some of the, the tops around uh, strategically, um, you know, to uh, to uh, place them in in areas where I want to additional cover. So um, that's kind of kind of where things um, stand uh, with that. Um, but you know, back to to bow season, we kind of we bounced back and forth uh, between you know the, the local property and, and the property that's a couple hours away. Um, I do not have permission to hunt um, that property uh, during firearms season, so we've spent uh, all the firearms season uh, on our our family farm um, a couple hours away. Good, good, and it's it's nice to have options, and you do have options, which is the kind of the beauty of you know having these opportunities to kind of look at different deer dynamics and herds and caliber and quality and all those things. And over the years, I've always been intrigued. You know, I. I you know, my family farm isn't, isn't that far from your property down in Western New York. I don't hunt down there uh, anymore. I'd like to go back and hunt down there, but uh, I'm kind of localized here in, in Syracuse or just south of Syracuse. But the quality of hunting in some of these areas uh, in New York State is phenomenal. Not, not only from a, a, a deer number standpoint, but from a quality standpoint. Herd ratios are, are more in check than people think. Some folks are managing deer. You know, some of this caliber, um, and we'll talk about the buck that you killed this year, you know, it's, it's, it's probably more the higher end spectrum of quality in the state. And uh, that's not to say that there's other areas, you know, beyond Western New York that are, that are not, you know, that are, that are just as good. There, there are, I've been to some really good properties throughout this state specifically, but south of you in Pennsylvania and then uh, west of you in Ohio, I've been in those areas and, and just have seen some differences. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, your boys, family tradition. So you've got your son, uh, your two boys, and then both those, you know, your, your son, Trevor, this is his first year gun hunting, correct? Yeah, this is his first year. Uh, so he turned 12 in the middle of October. Uh, 12 is the, the legal age where you can, um, you know, bow hunt and, and now, uh, you know, hunt with a firearm as well, uh, as long as you have a mentor with you. So uh, this is his first year deer hunting. Um, you know, he, he worked uh, really hard over the summer um, shooting his bow and, and making sure that he was proficient with that. Um, you know, he was super amped up and, and excited for archery season to hit. Um, and, uh, you know, he, uh, he was chomping at the bit to get out in the woods. Um, and, yeah, so that, that was, you know, really encouraging and, and exciting to see that, uh, you know, he was, he was taken to it. And, you know, unfortunately, he wasn't able to con- connect with his bow, um, but he was able to take his first buck, uh, with a crossbow right at the end of uh, right at the end of archery season, the last weekend of, of archery season before um, the firearm season hit. So, um, yeah, he uh, he was like I said, successful and uh, you know super pumped, tickled um, to uh, be able to take that deer. And just for everyone's awareness, was that a year and a half that he killed? Yeah, it was a year and a half old spike buck, um, but uh, you know the size of the antlers couldn't compete with uh, the size of the smile on his face. It was awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's that's awesome. And I'll I think I mentioned on the podcast I just did uh, did a solo podcast. I talked a little bit about some family traditions with me and my son. You know, next year will be his first year. So appreciate you sharing that. 
Now, your older son, who's hunted for a few years now, he's, how old is he now? He's 14 now. Yep. Okay. So Timothy's 14, and he's been able to hunt um, and then harvest deer up to this point. And how did his season go? Uh, he, uh, he had a pretty slow, um, you know, archery season. Um, you know, he did get a couple of shots at, uh, does that, um, you know, he just, just didn't quite connect, you know, shot over the top of two different does, you know, jumped the string on them or, or whatever. Um, he set a goal for himself this year that, uh, he didn't want to shoot a buck that was, you know, any less than two and a half years old. It was something that, you know, was completely up to him. You know, he created that goal for himself unprompted by me. And, uh, you know, he stuck to his guns. He had plenty of opportunities at, you know, young bucks, year and a half old bucks. Um, but, you know, he, uh, he didn't take the shots. Um, and he was holding out for a two and a half year old and um, never really got an opportunity uh, during archery season for one. So this is how I'll define you as an individual. And I'll, I'll, I'll take this, uh, don't, don't take this wrong or, or bad. Um, you're a very patient person. Um, whether you know it or not, you're patient, you're patient with your boys. Um, you know, you're also considerate of, of the options that you have on the table. And again, being very analytical, you tend to, uh, (laughs) dig deeply into topics. And, and here's, here's what I'm going to, I wonder him having that perspective. He wanted to improve uh, his experience and his experience being able to harvest his harvest experience, harvesting an older animal it's interesting that he was able to find that on his own um what do you think pushed him to that point what do you think it was a behavior what's happened at home you know what what made him shift into that mindset yeah you know i can't help but you know thinking that you know my perspective on things uh influenced him you know he's he knows that i'm targeting older deer you know three and a half or even four and a half and, and older um and you know so i, I think that certainly rubbed uh, off on him um that being said, you know, he was able to take his uh, first bucks, you know, one with archery equipment and uh, one with a gun in the 2021 season. Um, you know, both of those were a year and a half old bucks. And, and you know, he was, you know, completely happy, very, very uh, happy with those deer. Um, but he's he's also, you know, very driven himself. You know, he's a, a super smart kid um, and likes to challenge himself. And, um, you know, so I think the combination of having taken a couple of, uh, young bucks already, um, you know, the influence that, you know, that I have on him, um, you know, whether it's, it's intentional or not, uh, plus his drive, um, you know, to improve himself and to succeed, uh, really, really played a role in that. I think. Yeah. It's interesting to figure out how children collectively, you know, garnish or, or excuse me, figure out these opinions or form these opinions, based upon their environment or in some cases, you know, and like you and I, we have both evolved, you know, my, my father didn't push large quality deer until I started pushing large quality deer and he saw the benefits and, you know, that played right into his idea of, of being patient and perseverance. So I want to flip this, the topic on you. You shot a buck in the one forties this year. Okay. So everyone's listening to me, you know, rant and rave about, caliber quality antler quality those type of things this is a top end deer period no question about it one of the best deer that you've had on the farm this year yep. I, I don't know if you have any history with him but let's go through the hunting season and how you killed this deer collecting data um, and then i want to go back and i want to talk a little bit about you know your your other property where you've done the work 
what observations you've had and what your plan going forward is. But let's let's dig into this deer. Do, do we name this deer? Does he have a name? Yeah. So um, it, it's funny. I, you know, I always consult with my kids. You know, I've got four kids, the two, two older boys that we've already talked about. And I've got a younger boy um, who's 10 years old and, and my daughter's my youngest and, and she's eight. So uh, when I get, uh, you know, a picture um, of a good deer on camera, you know, I usually will consult with them to, you know, kind of uh, figure out a name for the deer so we know who we're talking about uh, when, when we are discussing the deer. And, um, you know, so we were looking at these pictures of, of this particular deer. Uh, I think the first one that I had him had of him this year was in early September. And my daughter uh, came up with the name Turner uh, for him because if you look at his picture, the, the tops of his tines all turn in toward the, the center. Um, and, you know, I, I thought that was kind of a, a clever name for him. So Turner was the name that uh, stuck. I like it. So, yeah, kids are funny. My kids named uh, one of my target deer Blue, and uh, I don't know where that came from. I think my daughter was coloring, and she goes, we'll call him Blue. So, uh, <laughs> you know, whatever whatever shape, way, or form, uh, you know, uh, meaningful or not, that's that's funny. All right, so this deer, have you had history with him in the year prior, year prior to that? Because deer sometimes come and go. Yeah, so... The, the deer uh, that I shot this year, I only had on trail camera um, maybe two or three times last year. Um, never never uh, saw him in the, in the flesh. Um, like I said, only, only had a couple of pictures of him um, all at night. Um, last year in 2021, uh, you know, the first picture that I got of him, his, his body just looked huge. I was thinking, oh, man, that, that's got to be at least a, a four-year-old deer. Um, then I had one picture later on in the season, you know, after the rut, you know, post-rut time frame where they're really focusing on food and his body looked, you know, substantially smaller. And I don't know if, if the first picture, you know, really um, was, was not, you know, wholly accurate, you know, just didn't, didn't look um, like how he, how he actually looked, made him look bigger sure. or if he was completely run down uh, after the rut um, and, you know, his, his body just uh, looked substantially smaller uh, afterward. But um, I knew, I knew he was a good deer. He was a uh, mainframe eight point. I didn't see any stickers or, or kickers or anything on him last year. Um, but only had those three pictures. And like I said, and no, no real history with them other than those pictures, never actually saw them. How did that data, so did any of that information other than the deer survived relate to your hunting opportunities this year? Were there annual trends or bits of data, timeline or anything like that, that, that worked into your success this year? Yeah. So how, how it worked out, um, I only ever had that deer on one camera, which was, you know, very much on the uh, western edge of the property that I'm uh, able to hunt. Um, you know, our our uh, family farm. So what that what that told me to do was basically get more cameras out in that area and see if I could figure out how he's using the area and um, you know get more more data, more intel on him. And so I deployed. Uh, two more cameras uh, around that that same area, and actually ended up getting him much more frequently on one of those two new cameras, two two new camera locations uh, than what I had uh, the previous year. So that that's really how it it helped me out um, in gathering information and, and intel uh, to help me kill the deer. Yeah, and so that 
everyone who follows this podcast listens to Steve Shirk, the clustering of cameras example. That's exactly what he does. And that's perceptually, you know, how he breaks a deer down, understanding why and where they're using an area and then puts a timeline together. Um, so, you know, credit to you, Anthony, for, you know, putting more information and, and gaining intel in order to kind of facilitate, you know, thinking through his his potential demise at this point. So let, let's, all right, let's let's roll into the kill. Like, what's the history? What happened? Let's Let's get into the punch here. Yeah, so um, I, I tried, I tried you know, real hard to catch up with that deer uh, during archery season. Uh, actually, had him on camera, you know, midday tending a doe, and, and you know, throughout uh, you know this this really kind of thicker area where I had most of my pictures of him. Um, you know, I, I got pretty aggressive, or what I thought was pretty aggressive. Uh, took my saddle and platform set up and, and got within, you know, 125, 150 yards of where I knew that deer was. He was actually bedded down in front of one of my cameras, um, you know, on, you know, right before I went and, uh, you know, made that setup that I played to, uh, to go get him. Um, and, you know, continuing to get uh, pictures throughout the day, uh, he, he was in there moving around, um, you know, like I said, tending this doe. And those those deer were all over the place in there, and I, I just never laid eyes on them. They never got out uh, into the open where I could actually uh, see them. Uh, my hope was, you know, in, in making that play, that the, the doe would, you know, come out and be looking for a, a bite to eat. There was a, a clover field. Um, you know, I was between them and a clover field where she may decide that she wanted to go get a bite to eat, bite to eat. And um, it just never really worked out that way. They stayed right in there, and... Um, never got a look at him. Um, I ended up having some more uh, pictures of him uh, after that. And um, one of the pictures kind of tipped me off to where he might be bedding um, during the day. Uh, so I, I got, uh, got a picture shortly after dark. Uh, come, he was coming out of an area that we call the peninsula. And, and, and inside this peninsula, it's, you know, it's kind of a, a hardwood um, you know, peninsula of woods. And uh, back toward the, the back edge of it, there's this uh, creek with a, a, a knoll and, and ridge. And, you know, af- with, with that picture, um, kind of told me that he might be spending some time in there uh, bedded. So having not been able to catch up with him during archery season, um, the last weekend of, of archery, actually uh, during a rainstorm, took one of my uh, mobile uh, stands and uh, running gun kind of uh, units and set up a stand for him, uh, the intents of going in there and, and trying to get on him during the opening week of, or opening weekend of, of firearm season, um, you know, right on this, this draw, this, this Creek and, and Ridge system. And, um, you know, so I hung the stand, got it set up and, uh, you know, ready to go for the opener. Now, um, you know, in New York with, uh, youth hunters, um, they, they do need a mentor. I mentioned that earlier. And um, on the gun opener, I had my son, uh, my second boy, Trevor, with me. And so he was able to uh, use the stand that I set up back in that draw. And I actually climbed up above him with my saddle and, and platform. Uh, you know, so we were we were together. Um, for those who hunt in New York and were out there uh, for the, the opener, at least in western New York, um, you know, a good portion of the state got quite a bit of snow, especially in the Buffalo area. Uh, we only had a, a few inches of snow where I hunt in Steuben County, but the weather was uh, pretty brutal. It, you know, it was about 20 degrees, which, you know, in and of itself isn't horrible, but, uh, you know, we had winds, sustained winds of 
15 miles an hour or more with um, gusts, you know, pushing 30 or maybe even 40 at times. So it was, uh, it was pretty difficult to sit there all day. And, you know, around nine o'clock in the morning, um, my, my son needed to get down out of the stand. He was just too cold. Um, you know, couldn't feel his toes, couldn't feel his fingers. And, you know, I, I, I try to, uh, give, give the boys the best gear that, uh, that I can give them that way, you know, they're comfortable, um, or as, as comfortable as possible. And, you know, they stay excited and, and engaged in the hunt, but, you know, with those, those temperatures and those winds, uh, he just couldn't hack it. So, um, uh, fortunately about an, uh, an hour before, he decided he wanted to get down. My dad had uh, shot a doe, so he needed help, um, you know, getting that doe out of the woods and, and dragged down um, and, and hung up. So um, both my boys ended up uh, helping him out with that, and I stayed in the stand. Um, and yeah, you know, so that was that was at nine o'clock, like I said. And at nine thirty, I had a doe uh, work her way in, and you know, I'm kind of watching her, and I see some some movement uh, behind her. Um, get the binoculars up uh, on that deer, and I could tell almost immediately that uh, it was my target buck, uh, Turner. Um, you know, so Turner has a couple of, um, you know, a couple of characteristics that you know make it make it really easy uh, to identify him. Uh, you know, I mentioned earlier that all of his his tines kind of curve in toward the toward the center. But he also has, um, you know, what looked like scarring along his uh, backbone on, on both sides of, of, of his back. And uh, that was immediately evident when I pulled up the binoculars and even through you know, brush and twigs and branches and, and stuff that I was looking through. So I knew it was him. And you know, they came in and um, got to about 100 yards away. And there just there wasn't any uh, any shot opportunities for me. Too much, too much brush. Couldn't find a, a hole to shoot through. And um, he ended up uh, bedding down uh, at about 100 yards um, with that the doe that he was with, uh, bedded down about 50 yards away from him. And they stayed there for the next couple of hours, um, you know, right around 1130. Uh, the, the, uh, the buck got up, Turner got up, and um, started making his way toward the doe. And, you know, my, my thought, you know, during this whole uh, time was, you know, maybe the doe would get up and, and bring him my way. Well, it, it just didn't work out that way, unfortunately. Um, she uh, she decided to get up, and, and as he was approaching her, uh, run the exact wrong direction, uh, like directly away from me uh, onto the neighbor's property. Yikes. Yep. Yep. And, you know, the the neighbors, um, they uh, they got a pretty large crew. They, they own a pretty good chunk of land. Um, and I had no idea if, if there was anybody hunting over, uh, where he was headed. So, um, you know, I, I was happy that I actually saw the deer. It was the first time I actually laid eyes on him, uh, ever. Um, but you know, I, I was kind of afraid that he was going over there and, uh, you know, going to get shot. And, you know, fortunately I didn't hear any shots, uh, from over that way and, um, decided to, to stick it out. Um, and, you know, over the next uh, couple of hours, um, you know, bunch of different thoughts running through my mind, you know, is he going to come back out? You know, I'm, I'm obviously in an area that he's comfortable with. Maybe the doe will bring him back. Um, and right around uh, 1.30, uh, had a doe and a fawn uh, come back through uh, closer to me this time, maybe uh, 45 or 50 yards away. And, um, you know, shortly uh, shortly thereafter, you know, five, ten seconds afterward, uh, the, the buck came through. And um, I was able to... Uh, 
put a shot on them and and uh, put them down. It's amazing sometimes how things work out when you're patient. And yep. uh, that's a story of being persistent. I'm interested, uh, you said Trevor, he got out of the stand, so he went a different direction than where the deer probably entered that particular area, correct? I mean, he, how did he escape out of there without busting him? Yeah, so um, he ended up, so the, the deer first came in from the exact opposite direction that uh, Trevor went out on. So uh, that worked out really well. Um, our, our access to that area is somewhat intrusive, um, but the, you know, the, the way that, uh, that we came in is the same way that he went out and he didn't push anything as far as I could tell. So that worked out pretty well. Yep. Yeah. That's uh, it's funny sometimes, uh, that's just by chance or what have you, but you know, it's, it's funny the way these things work out or meant to be. Um, and also you didn't know what was happening in the neighborhood. So you had to have faith and obviously the spot you had scouted and laid out gave you some opportunity now, the buck itself, you know, how old do we think this deer is? What would be your guess? Um, you know, I, I would guess at least four and a half in, in maybe uh, five and a half. I, you know, last year, the 2021 picks um, that I have of, had of him, um, I would have guessed that he was four and a half then, uh, except for after the season. Uh, that, that made me think maybe he was three and a half. So he's anywhere from four and a half to five and a half, I think. Now, do you plan on sending the incisors in? Are you going to do that? Or are you, you gonna, you're just going to go with the tooth wear? No, I'm, I'm definitely going to send them in. Um, okay. I, I've got a, a couple of sets that... You know, I've been waiting on uh, to send in, uh, just procrastinating, I, I guess. So I'm going to send a few different sets in uh, at the same time and, and see what the results are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I understand. I think that's probably worth worth your while to do that. So you know, it's 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 fun, right? Um, you've got areas that are highly pressured around you. You've got areas that some people are are managing for older age class deer, and then you've got your property where. It's a little bit of a smorgasbord, right? You're trying to manage, yet you have, obviously, these these young boys, you know, I guess trying to establish themselves as hunter you've, hunters. You've got your your family members that, that spend some time in the woods and are usually pretty successful. Um, and you're able to capitalize. You've been waiting a long time to kill a buck like this. This is, uh, this is probably one of the biggest deer that have been shot on that farm, correct? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Uh- Without a doubt. Yeah, and you've killed you've killed big bucks over the years. Your strategy has changed. I think when we first you know we first met you and I, you know you were kind of running gun doing deer drives. Like the strategy evolved. Uh, you've done some. You've had some consultants out to take a look at your property. Um, you've also yep. your mindset has shifted a little bit in collaboration with with me and things that we've talked about. Um, but you're you're really like this year I would say, and you've killed some great bucks. I mean, there's no doubt you've killed some studs, um, you know, locally and then then down that way. You know, I, I just I think it's it's uh, your ability to stay focused and uh, collect data. You are running a lot of cameras. You're analyzing the data. You've got history on these deer, and you've got some you've got some deer for the future that I, I hope make it. And uh, you know, hopefully one of these next year targets bucks. You know. You may even you know, exceed you know the score of this particular deer, and not that score matters, but boy, if it was a five-year-old buck, you know, reaching that potential is, is really something special in, in any area, uh, particularly in in Western New York or on, on those farms. Knowing what the hunting pressure is like around you, how do you feel about all that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I'm definitely fortunate to. Uh, you have be able to have um, you know a, a nice place to go to um, with with good potential, um, and you know to have some like minded neighbors that uh, you know allow those types of deer to be running around. 
Um, you know, so I, I'm excited for the future as well. Uh, I think I've shared pictures with you of, of a you know really nice uh, ten point that I'm thinking is three and a half years old right now. Um, I I saw that deer last year, uh, 2021, in the flesh uh, as an eight point. Actually, have his shed. Um, in 2021, uh, I thought he was a three-year-old looking at his shed. I'm pretty sure he was a two-year-old. Uh, if he was a two-year-old in 2021, he's a three-year-old 10 point in, uh, 2022, that deer has some, uh, potential. And, um, you know, I've got a ton of, ton of pictures of him, lots of, uh, data to, to go from, um, that will, you know, hopefully allow me to, uh, make a good play on that deer, uh, if he makes it in, uh, into 2023. Yeah, I think that that deer will probably, if he does, you know, survive, will we'll, uh, maybe exceed this particular deer's score for that matter. So that that's a positive, uh, and yep. be interested to follow along and see what happens next year with you. All right, let's uh, let's let's rewind the clock, right? Because we talked originally about this property that you had purchased. You had some uh, forest work done. You've had a logger come in, and he's uh, he's taken the select trees that you've you've identified, and in concert with him, have. have uh, came to mutual terms on and where are you at with your property? What are the things that you've currently experienced up to this point that you want to share? Yeah. So, um, I guess where things stand with the property, um, you know, the, the logging operation is, uh, just about done. Um, it was, it was much, much longer, uh, timeframe than I originally anticipated, um, you know, as far as how long it would take. Um, so we got started in, March of this year, and um, you know, finally has has everything wrapped up, uh, out excluding uh, firewood. Um, you know, I think he wrapped things up toward the uh, the end of October. So, um, yeah, much much longer time frame than I originally anticipated. I really had hoped that he'd be done like in in August. That way, things could settle down and um, you know the impact to the deer would be minimized. Uh, that being said. Um, I have more pictures on that 30 acre property, uh, than I do on, you know, the, the hundred acre property, uh, that, uh, that, um, you know, is the, the legacy, uh, family farm. So, you know, it seems like the logging operation really didn't, uh, hinder or, or inhibit movement of, of deer or, or make them uncomfortable in, in any real meaningful way, uh, especially, you know, young bucks, uh, does and fawns. Um, you know, the, the larger bucks that I've had on camera uh, up there in the past uh, certainly haven't had uh, nearly as, as many uh, pictures of them this year. Um, so, you know, maybe they're a bit more sensitive to the logging activities. Um, but overall, it, it really didn't seem to impede uh, the, the usage of that property um, by the deer this year. In fact, um, my older boy, I was able to take his uh, his biggest buck uh, yet yet off of that property uh, just this past weekend. Um, you know, nice uh, two and a half year old eight point. So you know, he met his goal of, of taking a two and a half year old, and uh, he was actually the the first uh, first one to take a, a buck off of that property uh, since I've owned it. Um, we've owned it since 2014. So um, you know, he achieved his goal and uh, has the bragging rights of being the first to uh, take a buck off of there. That's great. So your next step with that property, you've got fine work to do. And I wanted to take note of one thing. Uh, For those that have probably listened to this podcast, I mean, I talked to a bunch of different consultants in the industry that do this, and I would not be scared at all to cut cut a property uh, up into September 
uh, hunting season in some areas start in September. I'm not sure I would be in there with a chainsaw on a daily basis in September. But if your season's in October, I, I, I would consider cutting up into September. I found the transitional periods and even the deer interesting gain there is is still high. Um, you're actually providing value to the deer. Remember, think about this, the senescence period where, you know, the plant life, the herbaceous material is starting to degrade. You're dropping treetops on the ground and those treetops, if there's still, if there's a lot of greenery, which there will be in September, you're providing a lot of food value and they'll prefer that food value over something else. Now, this time of year, it's even more beneficial if, if you want to go and suck deer into your property during hunting season and you will create disturbance. Uh, go cut some trees. I know many people that do that in areas where they don't feel are too intrusive, typically on edges of fields. So that's kind of a, a seasonal strategy you, you consider and, and something different. Um, so, Anthony, what I know you, you talked a little bit about firewood, somebody coming in and do that, and you've got some fine tune work. Are you going to be doing the fine tune work or are you going to have the logger come back and do it? Or are you hiring somebody? What's what's your next steps? Yeah, so the the logger will um, will certainly be there to, to help out with you know moving some uh, tops around and, and uh, you know clearing out some areas if, if I choose. Um, he uh, he'll be coming back in the summertime frame um, of, of 2023 when things uh, you know dry out a bit to uh, you know grade trails, skitter trails, and um, you know make sure the the logging deck is all situated and, and ready to go. Um, you know putting in water bars and, and those sorts of things. So um, he said he's willing to spend uh, you know up to two days there with his dozer doing whatever I need him to do to uh, to help out um, with with my management plan. Um, I don't have a uh, fine tuned plan uh, at this point. Um, you know, other than his equipment and the time that he's offered me, uh, I'll probably be doing the work myself. Um, you know, so I'm kind of in the, the early stages of, uh, you know, drawing up a plan and, you know, where do I want to put food? How do I want the deer to move through? Where am I going to put bedding uh, in relation to that food to make sure that they're moving the way that I want? Um, and, and with this property, it's, uh, you know, the wind is, is very uh, swirly. There's a couple of, uh, gullies on this property that, um, you know, just, just make the, the wind swirl quite a bit. And, um, you know, that's a huge consideration when laying this property out, um, you know, use of, uh, elevated blinds to help contain scent. Um, you know, that's a, that's a major factor here. So I've really got some, uh, figuring to do on, uh, you know, putting together that, that final plan and, and making sure that it's all cohesive and, um, is going to work for my needs. Yeah, and you're lucky. You know a guy who does this professionally that can yep. come out and walk your property. <laughs> um, so that is a plan for us this year. We're going to come out and we're going to probably do some shed hunting this year on your property. And uh, it'll be interesting to see, you know, how far you've come with everything. Um, you know, I appreciate you sharing everything today. I think one of the things I want to get into in the next go around discussion we have with you is how to stay warm during cold periods. And uh, the other thing is your tree stand selection, your blind selection that you're going to have to go through. Cause at this point, you know, that's going to be an investment you need to make again, taking yep. money out of logging operation and applying it into some return um, that specific opportunity to put box blinds throughout the property, I think will be very advantageous and family oriented and, and kind of building that tradition of fun. Cause I think getting cold sucks. I mean, there's no, there's no bones about it, but having something that protects you and then limits like the wind impact that we've talked about before. So I think that's, that'll be critical. So I think we'll end there. Um, we'll follow back up with you, you know, see how things are going. Shed season will probably be our next discussion. And, you know, hopefully I'll have a chance to get out and, and observe everything you've got going on and, and probably give you my two cents on things because, you know, I don't shut up. 
uh, we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll talk a little bit more and, uh, thanks for coming on, on and sharing the, the deer and, and, uh, we'll probably, when we put this up, we'll, uh, we'll post the picture of that deer. It's a incredible deer, great Western New York deer. You should be more than proud of yourself. And I'm happy to hear the boys did well. So it's, it's all good. Thanks, Sean. I appreciate it. All right, man. We'll talk soon. Talk to you again. Bye. Take care. Maximize Your Hunt is a production of Whitetail Landscapes. For more information on how John Teeter and his team of experts can help you maximize your hunt, check out whitetaillandscapes.com.